Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Inside the Coach's Office. My name is Tom Murphy, Jr. I'm here with Coach Brian Barnes, head coach of Bishop Foley Catholic High School. And we are both very, very excited to welcome Coach Corey Parker from River Rouge High School. Coach Parker, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Really excited to, you know, talk and have a conversation, talk some ball a little bit. Always a, a good time. All I would need at, right now is a, a coffee or a cold beverage, but uh can't drink while you're online. So <laughs> fair point. Yes. So Okay, so a brief, this is our second episode. Uh, our first episode we did last week, and we previewed the uh, the Michigan High School F uh, Football Coaches Association 2022 Clinic, where both of you were featured speakers. And I guess, uh, Coach Barnes, how did you feel about that clinic as a whole and what did it feel like to be a speaker yeah I mean it didn't disappoint you know um from you know listening to coach Tony Nice at Fair State uh coach Mel Tucker at Michigan State you know you know Josh Heupel from Tennessee talking and all the other sessions I went to unfortunately I didn't get to hear coach Parker's session because I was speaking at the same time that would have been one I would have loved to go to but you know it didn't disappoint um it was an awesome opportunity to catch up with some old friends and um you know, exchange some ideas and whatnot. But, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those deals when you when you go to a clinic and a, a, on your way home, you know, you're you're even though it's the middle of January, you kind of feel like, all right, you know what, let's let's go coach right now. You know, like we can we can pad up and, and go get after it and uh, get ready to go. So, yeah, it was a great time. Coach Parker, how did you feel about how the clinic went and what did it mean for you to be a featured speaker and how much do these clinics help you in your coaching journey well uh you know to answer the first question you know uh the clinic was great because it was the return of the clinic you know per se uh we didn't have a clinic in 20 uh in the 2021 uh year um an in-person one we had a, a, a you know a virtual deal and it was cool but it wasn't uh, you know what 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 clinics are all about which is all about relationships and seeing guys that you haven't seen you know uh, since the last clinic and having conversations and, and relationship building and all that stuff. So that was great, uh, the opportunity to do a lot of that. Um, obviously, the, the speakers that we had this year were phenomenal, from Nick Saban on a Zoom all the way to Josh Heupel, so two SEC coaches. And then, obviously, uh, with Coach Tucker, um, it, it just phenomenal uh, speakers. And then you mix in Coach Tony Anise, who won a national championship, and then the slew of great high school coaches that had a lot of success this year. If you don't learn any ball, shame on you. It's not because it's not presented, um, but it, it's definitely a uh, shame on you if you didn't pick up uh, a note or two that you could take back to your program and really help them. And that's how I look at uh, my success, my journey. Um, I started off sleeping on the floor at, at clinics. You know, I would, I would uh, room with guys. I didn't have enough money to get my own hotel room. And uh, I would literally be sleeping on the floor underneath the sink in the back, you know, by the bathroom, just trying to make sure I had a, a, a place to stay because I want to learn some ball. I want to get better. I wanted to uh, I, I wanted to use my competitive nature to pick up as many notes as possible, organize them as such, and then find out how I could bring it um, into uh, the program that I was in at the time. And that was you at the Jesuit. I was a defensive backs coach and wide receivers coach there under coach Scott Merchant. 
And uh, I wanted to just, you know, be the best coach I could be for him. And that was at the, the Glacier Clinic um, that used to be in Troy, um, at the Troy Hyatt. And so obviously things have changed now, whereas now, you know, I'm, I'm a head coach and uh, I've got money to get my own hotel room. Uh, but, the, but the fact is still the same. I'm very competitive and I want to make sure I can go to a clinic and pick up some notes and information that, I, that applies to my program. I can bring it back. And, and, and really uh, concentrate it into maybe uh, our focus for that year or a topic for that year or a scheme for that year or a technique for that year that we could use to really help the kids. Because that's what it's all about, helping the young men get better. And you're not going to do that just sitting in your own living room watching football. You got to go and, and learn from the best coaches around the clinics are the best ways to do that. You know, Tom, listening to Corey right now, like you can tell why kids want to run through a wall for him, man. Like, dude, I'm fired up right now. Just like two minutes listening to you talk, man. Let's let's go get it. This is going to be a great show. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about I want you guys to kind of expand on because the, the coach clinic, it's not what you guys talked about. It's not like widely available online. But is there anything about um, your particular speeches and this is for both you coaches that you really want to highlight that um people could you know learn from you know so uh coach martins for you you how did you go about your speech or, or your presentation and what did you want people to get out of it and then coach parker i would i want to ask you the same question yeah i would say you know I, I focused on um, conceptual things more so than like like um, like offensive scheme specific. Right. Because obviously there's a wide range of offensive schemes and, you know, the certain um, offensive coaches that and their personalities and how they call the game and whatnot. And so, you know, talking about the screen game, you know, we do it from, you know, spread personnel, um, you know, 10 personnel stuff, um, spread offense. And but I wanted to present it in a way that teams that run a T formation or more, maybe more of a pro style offense. Um, can also tailor it, you know, to what they do. So I focused um, conceptually and I really wanted those guys to see that, um, you know, what we do um, can be adaptable, you know, to their situation and what they do um, and just, you know, just letting them, you know, know that they can be creative and have some fun with their offense with the screen game. Coach Parker, what are your thoughts on that? How did you present your presentation? <laughs> if you will. Well, uh, you know, I, I went about it as, you know, as I am typically every day. I, I came in there with a, you know, a, a high level of energy and excitement and passion about uh, what we do at River Rouge. And, uh, and you know, it wasn't, it wasn't going to be a, uh, uh, let's say, a, a scheme wholesale change talk. It was more a presentation of uh, the odd front and using it in multiple ways, trying to defend anything from full house T to 10 personnel uh, to 11 personnel pro stuff and really being able to mix it in and really giving our why behind how we got to the point of becoming an op front group and uh, the success that we've had behind it. So I tried to present it not as a wholesale change because that's hard to ask a coaching staff to do, but more of an outlook uh, to create a visual picture for people to see just how easy um, we transition from being, you know, uh, a bare front to uh, a, a, you know, under front to now 
being able to use a mixture of those two fronts with the oaky, a tight, and a mint front, which is really just an amoeba of the bare front and the under front in so many ways. So we really got into that talk and it was good. Um, and I think uh, transparent so that if there's coaches in the room that really had questions, I was able to answer them and or just create some dialogue or a personal connection with them by giving my my business cards out so they could communicate with me if they had questions uh, after the talk. So it was really, really good. Tom, Corey, coach mentioned something really important too, was, um, you know, I had a chance to hear him talk a couple of years ago at the Glazier clinic. It was, it was a chalk war session. And, you know, when you're, when you're fiery as a speaker, you go to listen to somebody that's passionate about what they do or they're passionate about the topic, it goes a long way. And so maybe like coach was saying, maybe they're not a complete, you know, they're not an odd front team and that's not their structure, so to speak, but the way you present it and, and the way you're talking about, you know, why you do it that way, you know, can really convince a lot of coaches to see them um, see themselves, you know, implementing that into their defense, just based on how it gets presented to you. How much when there, when, when there's so many coaches there and there, there's so much going on, how do you pick and choose who you want to go watch and what can you learn from these other coaches, especially with, with both you guys have had incredible success in the past few years, you know, or last decade, you know, how do you pick and choose who to go watch? And then what can you take from really seeing these other coaches presenting themselves? Because at that clinic, there were so many different coaches talking about so many different things. So how did you guys being, you know, professionals and respected <clears throat> at a high level, how did you guys pick and choose who you watched and, you know, what you choose to take from that clinic? Well, for me, um, you know, I, I had, you know, my entire, I had 12 members of my staff there. Um, and so that's my entire varsity staff. Um, the only guys that weren't here was my middle school staff and JV staff. And so I sent those guys uh, to go and bring notes back from every session. Right. And so with that, um, what am I specifically looking for? I'm a defensive guy, so I'm not going to sit and listen to other defensive guys. I'm going to go and sit and listen to the offensive guys because I want to know from their perspective what is it they're doing and why they're doing it so I can always have a counter and a plan behind what we do in comparison to what the offense does. We don't want to just become a grab baggy style of defense. We're just doing stuff because we just think it's cool, right? Because we found on the internet. We want to really have a, uh, an educated approach to saying, if this is what they're doing, these are the things that makes it difficult for them. Where do you get that information from? The clinic talks. They're going to eventually tell the truth at what's difficult for them or what gives them issues. And if they don't, at least you had a vivid picture of what it is that these coaches are capable of doing and what they're trying to get you is eventually to see because offense is really smoke and mirrors. They, they want to really get you thinking one way and do something to affect that. And then it's some guys is going to beat you over the head with a, with a, with a bludgeon, you know what I mean? And just boom, 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 but not too many guys want to do that nowadays. So most people are outsmarting you and countering you. So I want to know, uh, you know, what are these offensive guys thinking? Cause the game of football changes every year. There's something new that comes out every year and you got to stay inside the curve 
If not, you'll be lost for years if you're just focused on just your stuff. Yeah, Coach, really quick, I want to give a shout-out to Coach uh, Coach Tone. I haven't seen him in probably 10 years. Coach Antonio Raglan, that's my guy. Great guy. I yeah. uh, haven't seen him in a while. It was good to see him the other day. You know, um, you know, to echo kind of what Corey was saying, um, like, coaching defense is hard. Like, I gave a ton of credit to you guys. I mean, you guys see a different offense just about every week. You know, you try to mirror your your defensive personnel and structure to the to the offenses you see, um, all the different rules that, you know, go against defenses and defensive players. Like, you guys got it difficult. So props to all you defensive coaches out there, you know. Um, you know, for me personally, um, you know, I – you know, I, I accept the fact that I, I still have some deficiencies as a coach. I mean, we're always learning, you know, try to learn more. Um, there are some things on the other side of the ball that obviously I could learn more. And so that's important to me. And then when it comes to my staff, you know, similar to coach, I want them to go and like, you know, I tell our coaches, like, you're the head coach of your position. So you are, you are in charge of making sure you are making that position the best that you can. So we're, we're ready to compete on Friday night. And so the other part of that is that, you know, I've got guys on my staff that um, aspire to be head coaches someday. And so I want them to make sure they go to some sessions of a position they don't coach so they can, you know, broaden their um, football knowledge a little bit. That'll help them down the road when they are ready to apply to be a head coach. That's excellent. All right. I'm going to switch gears. A bit here. Um, Coach Parker, I want to get into something. All right. First of all, I got to say, when I was kind of researching you online, I had a lot of fun. (laughs) You you are a very um, energetic presence, you know, especially online. Like you like. So how do you how do you take that energy that you have and 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 take get into uh building a culture because from what i learned you came in um 2009 you know you're pretty young i think with 26 i i think you were when you got your first head coaching job that's a lot of responsibility for a young man coach barnes i you're kind of the same way you were you were young too when you when you got it so um but now like you you take this energy you have and this social media presence how does that help build the culture that you have going on at river rouge right now well it it wasn't difficult because this is who i am i don't have uh three different facebook pages three different twitters or in in cory parker's cory parker you know what you see is what you get this is who i was as a player and, um, you know, I played with a lot of energy, a lot of fire. And when I became the head football coach, I felt I was going to infuse that inside of my program. The level of energy you see in me is the same level of energy that you see in our pregame parade, which is a, a tradition that we have here in River Rouge. And it had died off when I, you know, uh, when I got here, they weren't doing it anymore. And it's literally a parade from the school to the stadium and it shuts down all the main streets in river Rouge, all the old ladies that used to be cheerleaders and all the guys used to be football players back in the day, they put on their old uniforms and they're marching down the street with you. And so, you know, I'm the front of that parade. It's like, you know, I'm creating the level of energy and excitement, but ultimately building a culture that you want to be a part of. And, and that's what I think that we've created here. And obviously we have a, a large 
social media following because I got a strong social media following. So now we've had, we've had, we have what you call Rouge files, which gives, um, you know, people that's all over the country that are supporters of ours, fans, alumni, an opportunity to get, uh, you know, a window peek at this, this week's game, the opponent, the highlights that came behind it, some great music to follow with it. And you really see us in a very, you know, open and transparent magnitude, open enough where last year um, we had, you know, Netflix, Amazon uh, Prime, HBO Max reaching out to our Rouge Files and pick us up for possibly a four part series, you know, and so our four episode series. So the level of excitement is genuine. You know, you can't you can't fake it. It's no scripts. You know, and because when you start doing that, it gets really stale. You can kid, really kid, see coaching. something strange. Kids, yeah. Kids, kids see right through you, too, when you're faking it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's crystal clear. And so what you see is what you get. Um, when I like I said, when I got here, I, I had to reestablish some traditions, uh, but we had to do it from the heart first with a level of energy or level of pride that we weren't going to waver and back off no matter who the opponent was, because the number one opponent that we were dealing with initially was us. We had to be a better brand of us first before we could worry about who we were beating. And so now we're to the point where we are able to deal with us and hold ourselves accountable. That's how we are able to get better. But at the same time, we're able to turn it on against an opponent and just, you know, take the leashes off those dogs and let them run, you know? And so that's what makes us a little bit different um, that, you know, uh, I, I don't mind running with those dogs. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I don't mind getting out there with them. Hey, let's get after it. Let's go right now. And so that's what I think um, creates that level of excitement. Everybody knows homecoming week. I put on my old Eastern Michigan equipment and I get out on the field <laughs> with the players. And so it's it's turned into not just Coach Parker versus the team. It, it's like alumni and Coach Parker versus the team. You know, at the end of practice, you know, a quick, you know, two-period scrimmage, you know, 20 plays, alumni versus the team. And it's like it, it boils over a level of energy, excitement, enthusiasm, and intensity like no other. So it's just some certain things that we have here, certain traditions that have created excitement uh, for not only me, not only the players, but the entire community. So it's been an entire community buy-in because so many people are vested and involved with watching how this place has grown. You know, when I got here, there was uh, about 450 kids enrolled in school. Um, right now, we have over 1,100 students enrolled inside of our high school. And so most people would tell you, oh, Coach Parker can recruit. I, I, it's not 700 additional football players. Sir. I only have 60 uniforms for crying out loud. <laughs> so the reality of it is it's a bunch of kids that see what's going on and kids want to be a part of fun. And that's what's made us a little bit different. And, and obviously uh, that's what's made us a little bit different. And obviously it's been a lot of growth and success academically now at our school because of that, because, you know, when student population is up, student achievement achievement is up and so that's pretty much what has made uh, our, our story look very successful on all ends academics and athletics 
Coach, that's awesome. You know, what's funny is I, uh, I'm at a private school and, you know, we've been successful the last couple of years and I'm sure there are people out there that question what we do and our methods and whatnot with the recruiting thing. And that's, I mean, I've known you a long time and that's definitely not who you are. That's not who I am. I mean, we, we generally want what's best for our kids and we, mm-hmm. we coach the kids that come to our building and we want them to have a great experience and, you know, learn life lessons through the game of football that they take with them to the next level. Yeah, that's right. I agree. Yeah. So of course Coach Barnes, um, what are some of the things that you guys do at Bishop Foley that are kind of like what he was saying, Coach Parker was saying that that are some like little special traditions that you guys have that are really like um, special to Bishop Foley High School football? Yeah, so, you know, when I got hired, um, our, our first team camp, we had nine kids show up. Um, and, and so I knew it was going to be a challenge right from the get-go. And you know, over time, we've built up something that I think is, um, you know, that's been pretty special. Um, you know, it starts with, you know, one of the things I focused on is like kind of what coach mentioned, right? Like take, take a, a broad point of view in terms of like caring about the kid as a human being, um, you know, as much as we do a football player. Right. So that's academically, you know, uh, socially, mentally, spiritually, all, all that stuff. We're trying to form the whole person here. Right. And so, um, you know, Friday night lights, there's something special about that. And so whenever I, you know, try to talk to kids about playing the game of football, like I don't talk about like, Hey, come win championships. You know, I tell them like, Hey, like you're going to come make some memories with a lot of great people, uh, a lot of great people that care about you, make some new friends and whatnot that you're going to carry with you the rest of your life. And so I think that approach has helped me out a lot where kids, you know, as soon as, you know, if, if you're, if you're a kid, that's a little bit bigger, right. All of a sudden everybody thinks, Oh, he should play football or he should play basketball. Right. Well, you know, a kid hears that, you know, so many times, right. They, they get sick of it and don't really want to do it. So I, I kind of take the different approach like, yeah, yeah, I would like you to play football, but I also think every boy should play the game of football, you know, just because of how it makes you feel and, and what it does for you, you know, throughout your life. And so um, I focus on that angle and it's helped us a lot. Um, the last few years, a couple of the things that are, you know, unique to us, I think is uh, we have a special day where we have a, a football for women day. Uh, what we do is um, all, all the moms, aunts, uh, sisters, you know, cousins, any, any woman that's important to our players in their lives um, come out on a Saturday and the players actually take them through a simulated practice. And so the, the, the women out there get to, um, cause I, I mean, I'm married, my wife played women's professional football. Uh, for the Detroit demolition back in the day, I have three daughters that, um, you know, the one daughter is like um, the daughter remember the Titans. I mean, they're pretty, you know, they're pretty fired up and, and, and love football. And so um, I, I think it's great. The amount of women that take an interest in, into our, our football for women day and they come out there and they practice and the players take them through it. And it's great. Um, and when we're finished um, I have the boys actually, you know, read a letter, you know, to mom or to whoever's there um, in front of everybody. And it's a real special, genuine moment where they get to show their appreciation because, you know, don't kid yourself. Sometimes as guys, especially a teenage boy, it's hard to show. It's hard to tell people sometimes you love them. Right. Especially a guy. Right. You're a tough guy. And you don't and you don't want to do that. And so that's a special day that we have that um, has grown over the years. And more and more players that we get out, uh, the more and more women we get out to par- participate in it. And that's a lot of fun. The other one of the other things we do is we have a, you know, kind of a. Um, like a father, son, or mentor um, player night. And so what we do is we ask the players, you know, bring in, bring in a male figure that's important to you. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a male. If there's a female in your life that you consider a mentor or, or has had a positive uh, impact on your life, 
they get to come in and we actually have them uh, put the helmet decals on the helmets together. And so that's a special moment. And then we have the mentor talk about the player in front of everybody. And, you know, a lot of emotions come out. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty powerful moment where to see a group of guys, because again, guys in general sometimes have a hard time talking about that stuff. And that's a real special moment that we do. And last year we had Greg Jones who, um, you know, played at Michigan state, uh, won a super bowl with the New York giants come out and talk to uh, all the mentors there. And it was real, it was a real powerful moment. And, um, you know, something like, you know, for as long as I coach is something we're going to do. And, you know, lastly, we, um, we, we have an early morning breakfast and uh, we, we run the Lampshire Hill at, uh, you know, the Lampshire High School. They have a park over there um, where, there's, where there's a little hill. Um, and um, we wake up early in the morning, tell our kids to be there at 530. You know, the sun is just coming up and, you know, we, we run up and down the hill a few times. Then we go have breakfast back at the school. And the reason we do it is because not necessarily that I think the kids, you know, running up and down the hill that, you know, three, four five times is really going to make a difference in the season. But it's teaching them that like, OK, it's okay to discipline yourself and go to bed a half an hour early the night before and wake up at the, wake up the next day because to prove to yourself that you can do it, you know, cause sometimes it's not easy and sleep's really important to kids, you know, especially in the summertime. But we, I, I just want to show them that one time that like, you know, it can be done and watch what happens. And it ends up being again, an awesome day, awesome uh, moment, you know, where it's uh, you know, it's crisp out in the morning, the sun's just coming up and we're running. Then we go back and, you know, break bread together and uh, hang out and, um, you know, talk and, you know, make new friendships. And so those are kind of some of the things we've done and we'll continue to do. All right, coach. I want to, um, I got this uh, question for you. Well, for both you coaches, um, because there's this old adage that uh, you remember the losses, the losses stick with you more than the wins do. And for you, Coach Parker, uh, specifically, you, you, you had a, a loss where you lost in the first round to uh, King, and then they ended up going on to win the, the state championship. And then the next year, you won the state – well, you and your team won the state championship. So I wonder – what six more? Obviously, winning a state championship is amazing. Does losing that game seven to six, does that – do you still have nightmares about that game and still have dream like, great dreams? Like, when you go to sleep at night, like, do you get nightmares about that seven to six loss or do you have the, the great visions of the state championship? And, and how does that – keep you motivated do, do the losses keep you up at night or does the state championship help you rest easy every time you go to bed I, uh, you know I have no regrets on any of my losses um because we I feel we win the championship every year because we 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 do a great job at sending kids to school on national signing day um and that's my true championship um there, there's been coaches has been coaching 25, 35, 40 years. I'm 38. It's been coaches been, been coaching my age and has never coached in the state championship. I coached in the state championship three times, you know, as a head coach. Um, four times, if you count uh, the year I was an assistant coach and defensive coordinator at Inkster High School. So I, I don't look at those losses. I look at them as great opportunities that others haven't had. I mean, just the process of, you know, practicing, 
and setting up a schedule around Thanksgiving and talking to your family members about it. Thanksgiving night and, oh, you know, you guys are playing in a big game tomorrow and it's on TV. There's win, lose, or draw. The experience alone lightens your heart up like no other and just revs your engine to be ready to take a shot at getting that same adrenaline rush that next year. And so that's what really drives me, seeing the way the kids and the people in the community are smiling and happy just at the game, the process of getting to the game. So, no, I haven't had any nightmares about the 7-6 loss. I haven't had any nightmares about the DeWitt loss in the championship. I haven't had any nightmares about the West Catholic loss in the championship. I haven't, I haven't had any nightmares about the East Grand Rapids loss. My, my first time coaching in the state championship in 2008 when I was defense coordinator at Inkster. I haven't had those regrets. I just look at them like, wow, how blessed am I? You know what I mean? How many guys have really put their time and effort and everything into this game and has never gotten to the championship? And I've been there four times. And, I, you know, I've only been coaching for 13 years now, you know. And so I'm blessed, man, and, and honored just to have that shot. And uh, I think I go and represent so many coaches every time I take that field and they're at home watching us you know, supporting this man. Parker's my guy. I'm, I'm going out on the field for that guy because he may never coach there. So that's the way I looked at it. I know that's a different outlook, but, hey, why not? Why be a pessimist and always complain? They're not going to fix anything. So I might as well just enjoy the experiences that I have because life's too short to be having nightmares and pissed off about stuff that you don't got no control over. Let the game be the game. Let the chips fall where they may. Let the coach the kids up so they can play hard and have fun. Because, you know, they, they say it all the time. When they say, uh, uh, favor always goes to the brave. And that's the way I look at it. You know what I mean? We can't Absolutely. go in a game like a coward. Just favorite, favorite ends up going to the brave. And I look at it, hey, no matter what's going to happen, we're going to go out this thing and we're going to play our best. We're going to play our hardest. And whatever happens, I'm going to love you at the end of it, whether you play great or play your worst. So that's just – that's me. That's, that's just my outlook. Absolutely. Now, Coach Barnes, you um, you got to hold up a trophy at Fort Field and make some history as a head coach at Bishop Foley winning the, the prep ball. Um, and you overcame some or you and your team, you know, overcame some some rivals, some, you know, some difficult situations. And you have built up a lot of success at Bishop Foley, but especially with um getting a hoist up that prep bowl trophy. What would you say to that same question? I just asked coach Parker. Yeah. I want to kind of echo what he said really quick. You know, it's, it's funny. Um, you know, the other day, I, again, I watched the 30 for 30 about the Buffalo bills and, and, you know, the amount of criticism they've gotten for, you know, losing four super bowls and, you know, ask Barry Sanders, you know, ask um, all those other great players, Chris Carter, um, Dan Marino. Um, I mean, he played in one, but ask, ask, uh, you know, a lot of those great players who've never played in the Super Bowl, have them ask Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas and all those guys, what it was like to experience that and have that, uh, have that moment. I'm sure they would all wish, um, you know, they could do it. And uh, yeah, for us, um, you know, First first time in school history, we we won the prep bowl, the Catholic League prep bowl. Really proud of that, and we did have to overcome some stuff. You know, it's it's kind of it's kind of cheesy, right? But 
but a lot of times coaches talk about the five-year plan or the process, state of the process and whatnot, but it's true. You know, you can't, you can't skip ahead to success. Um, and if you do that, you know, you're probably doing it the wrong way, right? You're probably cheating or you're probably um, selling your soul to go recruit some kids from somewhere else. But if, if you really do it the right way, um, you know, you stay true to your process and who you are and um, you keep building on each, each experience, whether that's a win or a loss. And, um, you know, until you get to your, to your ultimate goal. And so, yeah, you know, we, we had a couple teams that, uh, you know, we struggled against in our league and, um, and whatnot. And so we were able to finally, you know, climb the mountaintop and win the prep bowl. And we're really proud of that. Well, coach Mars, let's kind of keep that thing going. Um, winning is, is amazing, right? Everybody, you know, wins and losses. It, it's, it's super important, but, in that moment, when you got to hold that trophy up, surrounded by your team, your coaches, your family, thousands of people in the stands at Fort Field, how does that moment not only like represent all the hard work you've ever put in, but how does it just keep you wanting to go get more? Yeah, I mean, it was a tremendous feeling, you know, and it, uh, it, you know, looking at our kids and looking at the amount of people and, you know, cause it wasn't just parents that were in the stands that day. I mean, we had a lot, a lot of alums in the, in the stands that day. We had a lot of, uh, you know, teachers um, from the school and the building or in, at Ford field that day in the stands and just knowing, you know, it, it meant so much to so many people um, that was pretty awesome. And so, it, I mean, it's a great feeling, right. And that's, that's a feeling that we all strive for is that moment. And like you said, we, you know, when you work hard and put in that extra effort and, um, you know, finally reach that moment. It's, uh, it's really indescribable. And the thing that, um, you know, I think, I, I think sometimes coaches get a bad rap about is that, you know, if, if your only goal is winning, um, you're, you're not going to be happy. And, and I know that sounds kind of crazy though, because, um, you know, we, we told our kids like, you know, don't focus on championships. I want you to focus on being a champion. And that's how you carry yourself every day, right? And whether it be in school, on the practice field, or off the field. And so when we went into a game situation, you know, we we never said, you know, this is a big game that we that we have to win, you know, and, and just stare at the scoreboard. It was just, you know, you control what you can control, right? Because the other teams coached up too, and they want to win, right? So focus on doing your job, focus on playing as hard as you can till the end of the whistle, um, and good things will happen. And so in my opinion, that's, that's why we've had the success that we've had is because we're not putting the cart before the horse. Do you know what I'm saying? We're not trying to skip ahead to the ultimate. We're focused on the here and now, and that's what matters. Excellent. Got Coach Barnes, who's more of an offensive guy, and Coach Parker, you're more of a defensive guy. I wonder, can I get you guys to battle back and forth about how you guys would scheme against each other? A little Absol- bit. I know. Absolutely. Like, I know. <laughs> Listen, absolutely not. I'm already 0-1 against Coach Parker in my career. I don't know. If, I don't know if he remembers that, but yeah, River Rouge <laughs> versus Harper Woods. Yeah, Harper Woods. That was yes, a good sir. football game, but yeah, yes, I, I took I, we took the L. <laughs> For real though. Okay, so because I wanted because uh, okay, so I guess what I would say, I know you guys were both talking at the same time, but Coach Martins talked about the, the screen passes, and Coach Parker, you, you talked about your defensive scheme uh, more geared toward the, the, the odd front. Um, how would you, Coach Parker, how, do you, how would you, if, if, if River Rouge played Foley, 
what would be some inside things that you would do to scheme against uh, Coach Barnes's very successful uh, screen game? Well, obviously, the first thing that you got to identify is, is you know, uh, what type of quarterback is this for a Brian Barnes team? Because the type of quarterback that he has is going to be a direct reflection of the different types of uh, packages that he's going to, you know, open up on you. And so back when he was at Harper Woods, he had a dual threat quarterback that was going to pull the ball on the backside of zone read. But, you know, Coach Barnes back then was very, very innovative. So he had, you know, uh, some, some RPO stuff going on. This was back in 2010, 2011, oh, you know, before RPO really had hit the market. He had a, you know, uh, a three by one and bubble going to the right and they'll be running zone to the left and they'll be reading the backside in. And so, so the quarterback would either key screen it and throw it out there if it's three on two. Or he would, you know, if it's three on three, then he's going to go through his zone process and now read the backside five technique and find out, is he going to sit and surf um, or is he going to flip his hips and go and chase the dive? If he went and chased the dive, then, you know, now you got a now you got a pretty good athlete on the edge versus a linebacker trying to chase him from the inside out. And so when you're looking at a Brian Barnes team, you got to find out what type of cue is it? Is it that type of guys or, it more, or is it more of a guy that's trying to, you know, dink and dunk you to death and really get some rhythm going and all of his non-vertical uh, concepts that Coach Barnes has, whether it's, it's all hitches or whether it's his mesh concepts, whether it's his screen game. He's got some things inside of his toolbox that he does that I call them uh, rhythm creators. He wants to create rhythm for his passer and, and put him in a position where he starts to feel confident about the calls. So for me, the way I would I want to scheme it up, I would – I would come into the game uh, with a, 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 a hybrid style of a defense, uh, meaning we will be able to play with what we have on the field, no matter whether he's in 10 personnel and plans to run or in 10 personnel and tries to pass. Because the last thing that really could affect you with a Brian Barnes team is the style of tempos that he has. And he's going to attack you with, you know, he can speed it up when he wants or he can slow it down when he wants. And so you have to be prepared for that and knowing he's not necessarily going to exchange personnel to get into when he wants to run it. He'll possibly even use the guys that he got has on the field by getting into bunt sets and things like that to really put you in a really uh, uh, he's going to create angles for his guys to get blocks done and create space for his players whereas most coaches are going to want to send on an extra defensive end or an extra backer, things like that. You got to be able to play with what you got. Otherwise, you're going to get caught up with having 12 guys on the field. So for us, it's being able to create some type of um, pressure, uh, man pressure, uh, zone pressure uh, that has a match principle on the back end of it and, uh, and, and really trying to overload uh, where, he where he wants to create uh, his mesh with his quarterback. So I want to bring two off the edge of where the tailback is located uh, simply because he's going to, he's, he's possibly going to have some jet motion that he's going to bring. And jet motion is usually traditionally going to go towards the tailback. So he gangs a blocker. So I want to bring two from where the tailback is located, um, maybe stunt my defensive line opposite. Um, and then obviously play a match uh, principle or man-to-man principle, or even empty out 
from the back end and go into cover zero and really try and get his quarterback on the grass a little bit when they're ready to do some drop back stuff. But I think the three on three and having some, uh, you know, doing three on three if he's three by one or if he's two by two by two, being two by two and having two guys ready to check his two guys, we got to be cognizant of the slot fade. Um, so we would play a, a off guy on the interior and a press guy on the on the edge just to really try and start creating some issues so that if they did decide to bubble and use the screen game, the corner will be able to come and support and fit from the outside in and force the bubble to have to cut it up. And here comes, you know, the overhang that was checking him, the, the deep safety, so on and so forth. So those are some of the things that we would do, um, it, you know, try and get the quarterback on the grass and, and drop back, cover down. His, uh, his detached receivers with detached defensive backs and not linebackers so he doesn't have a matchup scenario going on and, uh, and really uh, make sure that we are controlling the tempo of the game and not allowing him to. Ooh. All right, Coach. <laughs> Coach Barnes, man. Tom, I, hey, Tom, I told you, he, he's one of the best, and I don't think we're sharing this episode with the uh, other members of the Catholic League or the, or the teams on our teams on our schedule in 2022. Yeah, right, right. No doubt. So, you know, the, the thing, like, you know, from film study and, and knowing what Coach Parker does, like, I, I would need to make sure and figure out, you know, what, what kind of – what's he doing with his odd front, right? And is, is he slanting his guys? Is he, is he stunting their guys? Um, are they stemming? Are they moving around a little bit? You know, like coach was saying, how much do they blitz? Um, you know, what type of coverage is he playing behind it? Um, you know, one, one of the things for us is like, we're, we try to be a big matchup team and we're trying to be a big numbers team. Okay. So we, and through film study, try to find matchups that we think we can exploit. Okay. And how do we exploit that? Right. Try to get into a situation where our better players, uh, whether it be receivers or running back are matched up with one of their guys where we feel we win that matchup. Um, and that's something I would do when, you know, coach talked about all the, you know, different types of fronts he can plays with his odd front and his mint front and whatnot, stuff like that. You know, one of the other things with that is, um, you know, we try to manipulate it by, um, you know, is there a defender that we think we would have trouble with blocking? You know, we, we would make sure that we try to read that guy. Um, and it might be, uh, doesn't have to necessarily be a down uh, defensive lineman or defensive end type guy. It might be a linebacker, right? So it might be a B-gap, B-gap linebacker type. And so we look and see if we can try to manipulate guys uh, that way if we struggle with blocking them. You know, and Coach mentioned, like, yeah, we we are a big tempo team. And that's one of the things that um, I like about tempo and it can cause, um, you know, headaches for defensive guys is that, if, if we get lined up quickly, you know, coach has to rely on or, or some of his players have to rely on like communicating really well and communicating really fast with what their calls and their checks are uh, because we might snap the ball like right when the referee sets the ball. Uh, and we do that, you know, hoping we can catch a team off guard that, you know, maybe their defensive lineman is looking over to coach trying to get his call and, he, and he's not down and ready for the snap. And so um, Temple plays a huge part in it. And then another thing is that, you know, you know, I go back to the numbers thing, whether it be like coach mentioned when we're three by one um, or sometimes empty, right? If, if we have numbers there, um, but also numbers in the box, like when do we want to run the ball? Um, you know, if, you know, I'm a big believer that any opportunity, anytime you have a five man box, um, you, you should take, you should run the ball. If it's third and nine and, and you're comfortable and you're confident in your offense, like as an offensive thinker, you know, we're pretty confident in what we do. If it's a five man box and it's third and nine, we got to have, you know, the stones to run the ball and be willing to go for it on fourth down, uh, you know, depending on where we're at in the field. And so, you know, again, a lot of it depends on, um, you know, matchups and then, you know, the chess mats comes into play, which is great about offensive versus defensive coaches, right? You know, by film study, you know, in theory, we should get an idea 
what downs does coach like to blitz? You know, he's, he's bringing pressure on third down. And all right, we have to have an answer for that, whether it be screen or sprint out um, or quick game, so to speak. And so, I mean, you know, coach is one of the best for the reason, for a reason, you know, and, and that would be, that would be a fun matchup again. Um, you know, depending on, we had, we had similar personnel. It'd be a lot of fun. That's awesome. Fellas, thank you both for that. That, that. that was incredible. Coach Parker, I do want to touch on something um, that I'm very curious on is how like you've been very successful in, in taking kids outside the game and being, you know, like, winners in in life you know and that's such a part of being a high school football coach is that wins and losses very important but you're also like a mentor to young men and you've taken on like some roles i I understand you're also the athletic director at river rouge so like you you're I don't want to say not just a football coach, but, but, you know, you're, you, you've taken on like a, an incredible leadership position in River Rouge where, um, you know, sometimes these kids got the odds stacked up against them. How have you been able to mold these young men in sometimes impossible situations and get them to uh, D1 school? Not, not in, D1, obviously that's amazing, but D2, D3, just, just getting to that, that level after high school, how have you been able to do that so successfully? Yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot of my guys fight identity crisis per se, you know, um, I have one particular kid that, uh, uh, his brother, uh, was very, very involved with, uh, murders and uh, uh, a lot of gang related and, and drug related incidents where he is now incarcerated and um, the the younger brother uh, uh, made a decision to not follow his older brother and and really just fell in love with the game of football and uh, it got so bad in his household at one point that he moved in with me and um, now he's the starting cornerback at the University of Tennessee and, uh, you know, made plays in the bowl game, had an interception in the bowl game versus Purdue and uh, just, you know, uh, just went through surgery, came home, you know, first house he came over was at my house on the couch as if he back belonged there. And so it's really just creating a consistent approach of identifying um, the journey of success and the difference in the two paths. You can't have both. And that's one thing that I, I really, you know, hang my hat on. You can't be a thug and a ball player at the same time. Those two guys don't know each other. And, and so I, I hold my hat to that. And, and being an African-American male in urban communities where most people want to, they want to teeter that line of, oh, I'm going to smoke weed. I'm going to hang out. I'm going to party. I'm going to get into fights and be involved with gang related activity, but, but, but I'm, 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 I'm going to college. I'm, I'm going to get offers. I'm, I'm going to the league. No, you're not. That's so fake. That's, that's, that's so much bull crap. Cause you, you can only do one or the other. You can't have both. I haven't met anyone that was good enough to do both. You know what I mean? Mentally, spiritually, socially, it's impossible. So I tell them vividly exactly what each path is going to look like and what's going to happen if you go down this road versus if you go down this road, which takes a little bit more time. It's going to be a little bit of sweat. There's going to be some days that we cry together. It's going to be some days that you're sore. It's going to be 
so worth it in the end. And they trust me because they've seen me have a good college football career at Eastern Michigan. They've seen me able to take care of my family. And so they're able to see black love. They're able to see myself and my wife, Mary, with kids, a great family, and, and able to, you know, bring them inside the household and sit down and have dinner at the dinner table. And they want that. They just never seen it before. You know, it's so rare. So you introduce them to something different and they see, wow, if I do this, I got a chance to do what I really want to do. Instead of me just saying it and it being a dream, I just got a chance of doing it. So now Kamal Haddon actually has, he, he said he wanted to go to the NFL. Well, he has another season like what he had this year. He's going to be probably one of the top defensive backs picked in next year's NFL draft. No different than, no different than our Marion Smith playing safety at Cincinnati right now. No different than Rook Ororo that plays defensive tackle at Clemson. No different than, you know, any of those guys that I've been able to put out into these schools. No different than Reggie Pearson, who plays safety at Texas Tech. All of these guys that we've been able to put out, there's also a bunch of guys that went and played D2 and NAI football that have got their degrees now. And they're the first graduate in their family because they were an inch too short or maybe two-tenths of a second slower on their 40. They were good football players, too, just didn't get recruited by a bigger school. So that was the large amount of kids that we were able to put out of here from 2009 until, I would say, 2013 when we had our first Division I guy leave out of here. So for us, it's really treating every single one of them as if we love them unconditionally. And we're showing them this is the way that you got to live your life. There's consequences to negative behavior. And we're transparent about it and we're very direct about it. And we let them know we're not going to tolerate anything other than you giving your best effort at everything you do. That's academically, that's socially, and that's athletically. And we keep it in perspective. Athletically is last for a reason. Because if they're a bad student, I can't send you to a great school. I can't send you to a university. I can't send you anywhere. If you're a bad person, I can't send you anywhere because you're going to affect my name, my reputation, our reputation, which now is going to hinder the next ball player that may want an offer from that school is going to hinder him from being able to go there. So that's what it's really about. It's really, you know, you got one time to create a, a great impression. And when I send a kid out to a school, you're my chance of creating a great impression. You're going to be the difference maker on why that school wants to come and recruit and offer kids here or a reason that school doesn't want to come here ever again because you went and you embarrassed me, you embarrassed yourself, you embarrassed your program. So we hold them to standards, and I think those standards, you know, uh, remain true to who we are. Coach, what, yeah, what, I think, yeah. what I think is awesome about that story is that, um, you know, we touched on it a little bit last week um, with, with Coach Rabideau about how, like, you know, the impact we can have on kids at this level you know, that maybe we wouldn't have at the next level, you know, and kind of what's our why, right? And that's obvious what your why is. And that's, that's, that's why we do what we do. You know what I'm saying? And that's why we coach at the high school level and it's special. And um, that's why, you know, I'm sure you've had opportunities to coach at the next level. I've got some connections at the next level, you know what I mean? But this is the impact we have now um, is greater than it would be probably at that level where, you know, they're adults and they're like, they know everything, you know what I'm saying? And this is, this is still different where we can kind of mold them uh, and help them get to that point and help them see their future in a positive way. But uh, appreciate it. Yeah. Everything else, uh, everything else going good. 
Yeah, everything's just, going great. Just it's it's January in my household, and January in my household is is it's a blessing, but it's also one of the most stressful times of the year for us. Yeah, the coaching I'm, the coaching I'm, carousel. I mean, you're yeah. talking about offers and universities coming in here. Oh yeah, and offering the kids, but it's stressful. And that's not the stressful part of my household. The stressful part of my household is the you know the universities that reach out to me and have interest right. in my skill set. Oh, and yeah. it's, it's tough, but like I said, it's a blessing because well, how many guys have coached for years and never had a university reach out to them? Right. Well, how often, um, like I'm sure you talked to Ron at Michigan now, Bellamy, right, in his situation. I mean, really similar. He, um, I mean, he made that jump. Like you said, I'm sure you have those opportunities and like you always wonder, but ultimately you do what you, what's best for you and your family yeah. and – all that stuff and it works out right how yeah. um how does your school handle like when you guys um y- you know how it used to be when schools would just pop in and like hey can i see coach and talk to so and so like guys lately at least for me um they've at least like uh would shoot me a text or something and say hey coach i'm planning on coming in tomorrow you know is that cool right. pretty cool that's right is your school pretty cool when you get guys come in and stuff like that yeah so okay. so like i'll have you know about five appointments of five schools and division one schools, but then I'll have like four other like guys that just pop up. That's from group yeah. of five schools or max schools or division or, or division two schools or power five schools that, that are new to their university and don't got my contact oh, information. Oh, gotcha. So when those walk-ins come in, hopefully I don't have a coach in the office already. <laughs> Uh, and the, the school is cool about it. So they just right. sit down and they got to wait until I get done meeting with who's there. Cause we go by the appointments first and just, you know, so it's, it's been really good. You know, my, my receptionists, they're all, you know, very hospitable and get them water and coffee and snacks and whatever yeah. they need and give them the transcript so they can do an academic eval while they're sitting there waiting, uh, on, on me to finish meeting with the coach. And then, cause you know, the, the new rule of they can't bump into, players and they can't visit with the players really so i like before that rule came in it was it was fairly easy i'll really just Mm -hmm. find out who's sitting in the lobby all right cool who you want to see and then i'll just sit the kid down with him while i'm meeting with the coach and by the time i come out we could you know sit and talk but now it's different i can't i can't put a kid with a coach so they all want to come and visit with me so it's uh the, the school has been very very good with it i mean they allow just about anybody to come in and visit with me about players and, 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 and go about their business that way. That's cool. Did most of your seniors sign already or do you, are you going to have some, a couple sign in February? Yeah. So I had two of them signed to division one schools in December. Mm-hmm. Um, and then right now I have seven of them uh, done already. I got two uh, for it to sign in February. I got two more. I got to get squared away. Um, gotcha you know, uh, to finish out my February signing day. Cool. Good deal. Coach, with the, with the recruiting, like your job as a head high school football coach is so important in the recruiting process. What do you do when there's a kid that thinks he's good enough to go, but he's just not like, have you ever had to like, just break that down to him or, you know, you're probably just not, not going to get there or, because that's got to be a really hard part of being a high school coach because 
a lot of these kids, they they just they they get hyped up. They think they're good enough, but you know, yeah, sorry, you know, sorry, kid, you're probably not going to make it. Like so, but but at the same time, you you're a mentor, and you know, so how do you approach that when a kid just he's just not athletically or just just not talented talented enough to make it up there, and you got to break that down to him. Yeah. So we keep it in perspective from day one inside of our meetings with our parents. We let the parents know and we let the players know inside of this this introductory meeting. It's it's a huge meeting. I, I cater out food. We sit down and I'll, I'll let them know, you know, your life outside of football is going to be so much more precious than your life in football. So let's keep things in perspective. You're not going to leave here and go to the NFL. You'll leave here and go and get your degree. You'll leave here and go and make your life better in that facet. If there's a small chance to play professional ball after that, it will show up because of your success at the college level. So let's talk about that. Exposure works two ways. I take them to these camps. I take them to the junior days to meet the coaches and develop relationships. But I also take them to college football practices so they can get a vivid picture on what these guys actually look like you know so if I'm a five foot seven defensive back now I play defensive back at the division one level and I'm six foot two right so they they got a pretty good understanding how big defensive backs are so if you're five foot seven defensive back I'm not going to say you can't play college football I'm going to say you just can't play here because assessment wise they're not going to recruit your size at that position. But if you do what I ask you to do in the classroom, you give me a 3.5 GPA, you bust your butt. I can find some place for you that'll be in love with the five foot seven guy that comes out of our program. And so we have been able to do things that way. So it's just a general assessment of the kid's skill, their, and, and their, their ability and their size. And I tell the parents, you know, very vividly, I cannot control their genetics. I can't stretch them and make them three inches taller. Whatever they have been given by God and by the genetics of mom and dad is, is what I have to work with. And college coaches are height freaks. They love height. And if you're not tall and long, that that's a lot of points against you so I try and be very clear with them you'll have a chance to play college football it just may not be where you dream of so when you get here at that meeting I tell them all you you're not a fan of any university anymore you're not a fan you, you're a fan of yourself you yeah. you, 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 you got it you got to drop the I, I want to go to Michigan State I want to go to Michigan I want to go to Clemson I want to go to Alabama you have to drop that you, you, you got to go be the best version of you first. And so that's one thing that we've done. And it's hard because parents are going to believe that their son is the best ever. But the best thing that I can do is create a transparent outlook in my program and have the parents come and watch film too. So if the, the, I open up film session, so we have film session on Sundays, the players come in at three, any parent wants, they can come in from 12, to 2.30, and they can sit and watch exactly who Johnny really is. My practices are open to the public. So if mom or dad or his uncle that played a little bit of college football somewhere believes he's an All-American, come on to practice. 
come and watch who Jason really is. And and we'll and we can have a transparent conversation after practice on who he is, after board drill, after somebody puts him on his back four or five times. Or after we get out of the the the, the you know the the the, we call it the buckets drill. You got, you got a you got a blocker. You got a you got a uh, a block shedder. You got a ball carrier. You got a you got a tackler. Once we let let's see who Jason is in this drill right here. Because if he can't do this drill right here efficiently at any one of the four spots, college football at the highest level. Come on, baby, that ain't for you. Let's keep it, let's keep it a real. So that's what I do. I make sure we keep it as real as possible. I'm not going to crush your dreams. I'm just going to allow your dreams to become reality by by pointing you in the right direction, you know, by right. saying, hey, you're not a power five guy. You have no offers from power five schools, but you got a three point eight. So I may be able to help you go to a Patriot League school. I may be able to help you go to an Ivy League school. I may be able to help you go to Air Force, Army or Navy. So now you can play against those power five schools if you give me the film networks. Now, let's say you're a 3.8, 3.9 kid and you're 5'7". Well, I know a lot of guys at the Division three level that's going to cash you out, son. You're going to get money coming out of your ears to go and play Division three football because you got the grades, you got some ability, you just don't got the height. So my job is to be, you know, that sports agent per se that's going to be able to wheel and deal and set up situations for my smallest guy to my biggest guy. And make sure, most importantly, it's a great fit. That's why we had so many players playing uh, on television from December the 26th until January the 1st. They weren't just standing on the sideline, you know, cheering their team on, which is cool, too. My guys were on the field getting interceptions, you know, forced fumbles, big hits, sacks, yards. My, my freshman quarterback that helped us win a state championship rushed for, like, 90 yards on carries versus Nevada, versus Nevada in the quick lane bowl at Fort Field. Wow. He's, a, he's a freshman. So for me, it's, you know, and that's hard to do. It's hard to get in the game as a quarterback. It's hard to do. It's hard to transition from high school to college. And my guys are out there on the field because it's about the fit. Putting them in systems and schemes and coaches that fit their skill set and who they are instead of me being a fan. And say, oh, I got to send you to Michigan because, you know, I, I'm, I, I love Michigan. Or I got to send you to Eastern Michigan because that's my alma mater. Or I got to send you to Michigan State because I really love Michigan State. I, I can't be a fan. I have to be a based guy with every school that comes in here because that's fair and equal to the kids that play for me. Now, Coach Barnes, um, on that same set, like, how do you approach this? Because in the Catholic League, you know, at, at Bishop Foley, the expectation is you go to high school and then you go to college. Maybe not necessarily as an athlete, but definitely as a student. So how do you find the dynamic of sending kids to college as, as athletes and or just students? Yeah, you know? Um by the way, coach, coach mentioned Jason. I thought you were going to say you had a Davis on your team, like Coach Thirty would uh, 
talks about Davis. I know you see that Twitter guy. <laughs> one of the funniest things, uh, one of the funniest dudes out there. So awesome. Uh, I wish I would have thought of that. I'd, I'd be rich right now. He's hilarious. But, uh, you know, similar to what coach said, like, you know, there, there are some measurables on, you know, it, it is what it is that, that kids, if they don't meet that um, certain measurable, right, whether it be height, weight or um, whatnot, or skill set, um, you know, they might be limited as to how high they can go. And, to echo what coach said though, like we stressed our kids, like as long as you have good grades, you can play college football somewhere and you can get a lot of your education paid for and a lot of your degree paid for just by having good, good grades. And that's important. And, you know, I tell parents all the time, like, you know, I, I'm currently, you know, I'm not a college football coach, but you know, if you think your kid is, is a division one kid or division two kid or whatnot, you know, we like coach does, we, we really push the camp scene, you know, go to those camps and, you know, those guys will give you an honest evaluation and then you can compare yourself to all the other kids at the camp and kind of see where you are. And so that's helped out a lot. And, um, you know, and I don't mean that as like, a, you know, me taking the easy way out of it, but I, I it, it definitely holds more water because, you know, I'm a parent too. I get it. Um, but sometimes parents can be unrealistic, right. About, um, how good their kid is. And so coming from me is one thing, but if they can get that observation from somebody who's at the next level, you know, it holds more water. So, um, you know, ultimately like coach said, the whole, like, if you, you play at the next level, like you're doing something right, you, you know, like you, you've done the right thing in the classroom and, and you're a competitor and you're getting after it and you're serious about what you do and you're disciplined and you want to go do it like that's special. And, and it goes back to, again, like kind of what I talked about, um, last week, like the game of football, like the friends you meet, um, you, you know, you're in the relationships and stuff. You're going to be talking about that the rest of your life, no matter if you're playing at Albion college or you're playing at Notre Dame, um, you, you know, you're going to have those cherish those moments just like any, any other player does. That's awesome. Well, fellas, I think we can wrap it up on it, man. My, my gosh, the time goes fast. I mean, we, oh, Coach Parker, it, it, it's been an absolute pleasure to meet you and, and talk to you. Um, so I guess, um, Coach Parker, is there is there anything you just want to say to uh, the people out here that are going to listen to this um podcast that is just based on Michigan high school football and all the great things that Michigan high school football has to offer? We've got great coaches in the state of Michigan. I mean, guys are working with everything from, you know, on one side of the state, you've got coaches dealing with guys straight off the streets, uh, got some, you know, gang related stuff going on. And we got to break all of those things down. We've got kids that are uh, in households that are 100% farmers and no one or no one in the family is an athlete and they're just going out there because their friends are playing it. You've got such a wide spectrum. You've got kids that are from two parent households. You got parents from one parent household. You got parents that are that are are you know coming from orphanage, you know, uh, foster care, and they love the game. And you got coaches in our state that do the, such a fantastic job of fostering a great environment that's competitive, that helps them get better at the sport that they've learned to love and uh, create an environment about care and teamwork and effort. And, and, and that's good. That's good. That's so good for the kids to take this and go into the next phase of their life with. Uh, just like what Coach Barnes said, every young man, every boy should play football because it just teaches them hard work and effort and teamwork and unity and all of those great things. So, that's that's one of the main things I want to make sure everyone knows is what type of great coaches we got in our state and that we do put academics and safety in front of everything else. 
You know, we take care of these boys out on the field as if they were our own son because our passion of the game of us had great coaches too. We had someone that treated us like we had an extra dad at home and made sure we were safe and made sure we had food after games or before games or after practice or whatever we needed, those coaches were, were giving it. And so now we're just that next, we're just that next fraternity, that next breed of young coaches that's keeping this thing going for the greater good of our great sport of football. That's awesome. And coach Barnes, um, episode number two, I did a, this is pretty awesome. Um, how would you like to end this show? You know, I just want to say, like I said, you know, Tom, when I when I told you um, that I was going to reach out to Corey to have him on this episode, he's he's one of the best around. You know, I'm proud to say I know him. Uh, I consider him a friend, um, just an absolute great guy, and I'm glad he's in our game. And, uh, Coach, thanks for coming on. I hope you enjoyed it. it it's pretty awesome, and uh, we're going to keep building this thing and this podcast. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, thanks for being here. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you guys. I had some fun, Tom. Uh, Brian, uh, you know, definitely look at you as a friend, bro. Anything I can ever do. Uh, you know, with you know, for the podcast or or either of you guys programs, whatever you guys got going on, uh, I would love to help. But uh, thank you so much for your time this evening and just you know putting some effort into uh, acknowledging coaches and, and the, the extra things that we go uh, into just to make uh, this special for uh, someone else's child. So thanks again, and and as always, great day to be a Panther. <laughs> That's awesome. Well. That's going to do it for uh, this episode of Inside the Coach's Office. Again, Coach Parker, thank you so much. Uh, Coach Barnes, we're going to keep moving, man. We're going we're gonna to get better and better. Uh, like I said last week, this is still this podcast is still just a baby. We're getting used to all these technical difficulties and, and all this stuff, um, but we're going to figure it out, and it's going to get better and better. It's going to be hard to top you, though, Coach Parker. That, holy smokes, man. That was a – oh, man. All right. So, yeah, th th there's going to be some big shoes to fill next week and the weeks to come. Uh, but – so thank you so much. And um, let's just look forward to uh, next week and talking more high school football in the state of Michigan. And, you know, I don't even want to end it. I want to keep talking. I want to answer you the question. We're going to wrap it up. We can talk football all day long, but we're going to wrap this one up. So ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. We will be back next week and we'll, we'll have, we're going to keep trying to have uh, a different guest um, every week. Uh, we're always going to have me and coach Barnes and we're just going to be talking football. High school football in the state of Michigan is alive and well, and we're going to talk about it. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Good night.